sense. So. Hey, you guys, come on. You're out I think that's it. <clears throat> Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, as we come before you for this this ordinance that you've bestowed upon us, Lord, we pray that it is acted on with purified hearts, that we come with a clean slate, if you will, in the undertaking of this ordinance. Bless it to our hearts. Bless it to our souls, Lord, this time, this experience, this giving of testimony, praise, and even prayer requests this hour. We ask this in the name of the blood of Christ. Amen. Testimonies. Have at it. Amen. The, the wedding is, is a tremendous reminder, especially when you have people and, and the commonality of, of grace that God has given them, uh, hope, hope for future generations and, and those who serve God and want to continue on in the service of the Lord. So it's, it was, a, I think, a blessing to me as well to be there and see the joy in their hearts and in the expressions on their faces and, and the, the gladness of Jared and, and Andrea to be able to uh, have one of their daughters marry a godly man. And uh, it, it gives hope and renewed sense of spirit to myself as well. Any others? It's got to be a joy to your heart, Pastor, to be able to, to do just what you said, marry a granddaughter, especially to a godly man, you know, knowing that your granddaughter will 
serves God first. So one of the one of the few things in life that most people don't ever have that opportunity to enjoy. So praise God for that. Any others? I could speak a little bit about the prison ministry, having been with Forgotten Man Ministries for 14 years. Uh, it is a completely different avenue of outreach. Uh, what most people real, don't realize in, in the ministry is when we incarcerate people in the community, these are local people, generally, in the local county jails that uh, at some point will be released from jail back into the community. And when they are incarcerated and you go in and bring the gospel word to them, you're not going there as their friend. You're going there as a vessel to bring the word of God. Like it or not, they don't normally like it, but at some point I have noticed that when these men reach a desperate end of their rope, they are reaching out for anything, any grasp, anything as a lifeline for them spiritually. And there is a tremendous opportunity and a tremendous field out there for a harvest of the souls. Now, we may not harvest any souls. We may go plant a seed. We may cultivate. God always brings in the harvest at his choosing. So... Tremendous opportunity for anybody so inclined to do that. I would encourage it for anybody to go into a jail 
and bring the gospel of salvation to the lost. And I'll tell you something, there is a growing population of females that are being incarcerated today. So you ladies out there, if you have a, a yearning in your heart to do something a little extra special, uh, there might be an opportunity there for someone to serve. Contrasting the two, and the uh, what do you call it? The caretakers, or turnkeys, or guards. Guards. They entered in some elements of the room, and they just ignored them. That's an element that was so vicious to this world. They had against the guards. And so in the case of guards. Well, this is this is primary. You hit the real hard nuts to crack are the ones that have gone to federal prison because they've been in the system so long. They've graduated from the county jail to uh, from a city lockup to the federal prison system. And again, th these are individuals who who have no hope. They have uh, no regard for society or even themselves. They live for the moment. Uh, the county jail is a little bit different system. If you can get in there and, and meet some young lady or some young man who's a, a first-time uh, offender or, or something of that like, God, God will bless those efforts to, to try and change those, those lives. I have been out of the system for a while. I have, a couple of years ago, crossed paths with an inmate that I had talked to 20 years ago in the jail. He remembered me. I didn't remember that guy. He called my name. He said, Chaplain Phil, uh, do you remember me? I said, I'm sorry, I don't. He said, that's okay. He said, I've straightened my life around. I got into a good church. I got uh, some, some preaching. Uh, I took your advice. I said, I don't give advice, remember? He says, no, but you, you gave us an exhortation to consider it. And uh, I remembered saying that to him then. And uh, he said, uh, my life has changed around. He says, I've still got issues that I'm dealing with, and, uh, but I'm grateful for, for God sending you in and others to talk to me. So this is 20 years later. We don't know the, the long-term or even short-term effects that we can have on someone's life. So, it, again, it's, it's, a, it's an honorable thing, but I just I would caution anybody that uh, you leave your righteous robes in the car when you go in to speak to these people uh, because uh, you may face difficulties or adversity 
that's in their life that uh, is, it's, it's a struggle to deal with sometimes. So, copious amounts of prayer is always helpful in that. Others? Dale? Amen to that. Amen. Any others? Okay, at this time, we're going to take up a collection for our benevolence fund. The deacons manage it, and I, I can tell you that we are quite depleted. Uh, we've had some needs in the last month, and uh, I'd like to replenish the, the fund. So someone would come up.
Does anyone have a favorite hymn that we can sing a cappella? What book is it in? Now, brother, since you uh, brought it up, you get to start it, and you get to sing the loudest. Stand if you like. Thank you. 
The Lord, the night of his betrayal, <clears throat> arrest, and crucifixion had a one last Passover <clears throat> dinner with his disciples minus Judas. Thankfully, Judas was gone. I say thankfully. He had no right to participate in any of the spiritual uh, meals and instructions that the disciples received. He was a traitor, but he was also a betrayer in the sense that he had already made arrangements for the authorities to arrest Jesus, knowing full well that he would be crucified and treated like a common criminal when in fact there was no merit for any of that, but he loved silver, he loved money, and he sold Jesus to the authorities for the price of a common slave. And for that he lives in infamy, even today. It's a terrible judgment on his soul. But then I think of my own sin and the sin of all of us as it relates to Christ. And we are guilty. We are. 
so we need a Savior. And thankfully in Christ we find a Savior. The only one that the world is ever going to get. I think of all the religions of the world and how they're involved in prayer vigils and fasts, all kinds of asceticisms. They slice their hands and let it bleed. and This utter pagan concepts of God. It's not even the God of the Bible. It's their own invention of God. And they think that all of that that they go through is somehow redemptive and effect when it just really condemns them all the more because of their failure to believe the truth of God's Word. You know, if they really want to know the Scriptures, they're available in almost every language, culture that we can find in the world. And if it's not in their language, it's in a language of someone that can help them. And uh, yet they would rather worship a piece of stone or even getting into jewelry and things of that nature. Anything but the God of the Bible. <coughs> but we're thankful today and we come to remember what God had to do to save us. He had to break his body, the son, his son's body. He had to take his life, the blood. And um, we were told by Christ that we were to come to this ordinance and do this ordinance till he returns. When he returns, this will end. And how, how glorious that will be. We'll have the real item not those things that represent him, but we will have the Lord of glory. I think we shall see the nail prints in his hands, the thrust of the spear in his side. We will understand that that is the actual person who thousands of years before was forfeiting his life on behalf of his people. Remember, Jesus said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. And that is his statement to the fact that even in his death, he is in control. He was in control. He died as a king, not as someone that uh, was a slave or any of that. He, he, he was in control of everything. And so um, I'm going to uh, look at the table here a minute. We have bread and we have the cup representing the body and the blood of our Lord. I'm going to ask Ed if he would give thanks for the broken body of our Lord.
As we eat the bread together, let us remember the broken body of our Lord. The Romans also shed Jesus' blood in the cup represents that. The scripture says the life is in the blood. We even know that today. We say of the tragedies that happen, not just people being shot, but being in a car crash or some kind of accident at work with machinery or whatever, if they lose a lot of blood, it's pretty well assumed that they may not So our Lord was hit with a spear in his side. Blood rushed forth. It was a sign of blood and water. And he shed his blood on behalf of his people. As we drink this cup together, we remember 
As we close, let's stand and sing the chorus, Jesus paid it all. Joe, we want to lead us off. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Scripture says when they had sung a hymn, they all went out. We are dismissed.